America for 300 years has been the land of promise for the rest of the world. The land of new frontiers, new opportunities. That's a complete conspiracy, you know. All the evil people of the world have banded together. Communists, subversives, thieves. It's a total, complete, worldwide conspiracy. Good evening and welcome to Tank Riot. This is episode 76, brought to you as always from Tropical Madison, Wisconsin, regardless of what Ismus thinks. That's our local <laughs> newspaper, which completely skipped us or any mention of us in their cover story. So a big fuck you to the Isthmus. <laughs> yeah, oh, wait, they might mention us in the future. So yeah, I hope they do. Their podcast cover story. But yeah. that, that's kind of a local tradition as uh, a lot of groups kind of get screwed over by the Isthmus in, in their coverage. It, yeah. Well, yeah. you know, it's it's free, so I suppose you can't expect much. But yeah, still in true. all, I, I would think a little Googling probably would have brought up something else, but... <laughs> Yeah. Anyways, our topic for tonight is a conspiracy theory special report on Holocaust denial. But first, Victor, you have some movies you'd like to talk about? Well, I uh, had the weekend to go check out a couple films. I, I wasn't really that drawn to Public Enemies, but I had the time and I decided to go check it out. And I thought it was I thought it was an adequate film. Yeah. I really didn't adequate. think it was. Yeah, I didn't think it was anything more than that. You're being kinder than most of the critics. I, I know. I know. I like. I like Michael Mann, but I've never loved his directing. Right. Um, but I've always thought, well, he's pretty good. And I love Johnny Depp. And Johnny Depp was excellent. Christian Bale was excellent. Um, yeah. Michael Mann, he's the uh, Miami Vice guy, right? Right. Right. Yeah. Right. right. So, so, yeah, it was, it was pretty much a throwaway. But, you know, there is a John Dillinger link to our conspiracy episode because there, there were conspiracy theorists in the 70s that were claiming that uh, Dillinger wasn't actually killed in front of the biograph right. theater. That one that one went around for quite a while. I love that one. I think the the main the main guy who cooked this one up was uh J. Robert Nash and he had said that uh in the the Dillinger dossier that uh his height was different, his weight was different than other records and and his eye color was a little bit different and that it was probably a mob patsy who they set up to be killed by the FBI instead of Dillinger. I'm sure sharing an apartment with Butch Cassidy, <laughs> yeah. Billy the Kid, and, uh, well, there was a few more, I'm sure. Elvis? Elvis, uh, yeah. yeah. None of them yeah. really died. Michael Jackson, exactly. I'm sure, will be there soon. Right. So. There's, Spe- speaking of which, you know, we have a major offensive in Afghanistan. Iran is still broiling. I go into a Walgreens today, and they actually have a little cardboard box that's a, it's all black and it says Michael Jackson, 1958, 2009. And then there's like a single copy of Thriller in there for 10 bucks. Can we just move on? <laughs> yeah. Okay. The music uh, was fine. It was all part of the cultural landscape 20 years ago, but no, I don't care if the Jackson family's reality show is going to come out. I, I don't care what the results of the toxicology test are. It just doesn't matter. I've heard more Michael Jackson music in the last week than I have in the last 10 years. Yeah. So it's yeah, amazing. Yeah, it's um, it's been a while since we did a podcast. And it was, you know, the last podcast where he um, kicked off. And 
we were speculating then that there were going to be rumors, and and then shortly right. thereafter, there's there's his ghost where they've seen his oh. his ghost, you know, with a shadow. Yeah, and, yeah. And then he moved. Right. Yeah. But to answer you, uh, Sputnik, no, it, it, he's not going to go away. It, it's <laughs> no, the, no, there's no time soon. I mean, right. it's it's such an easy yeah. distraction. Let's talk about, you know, the, the celebrity obituaries as opposed to, and I mean, my God, there was no stone left unturned. I well, mean, the Carl Malden coverage yeah. was just Carl Malden, wall to wall. Right. <laughs> Carl Malden. You know, Carl Malden in his own way, I mean, okay, the guy had this career. He was just this working man. He was, you know, B actor of the studio system, streets of San Francisco. All that's fine. But, you know, it's he's dead. We move on. But with Michael Jackson, we just cannot move on. And I, I'm, I'm not sure really what it, what it's all about. I mean, is it is it the unresolved pedophilia cases? Is it... I think um, it's just the, the massive nature of his celebrity, like Princess Diana, who had conspiracy theories when she died. I think it's just going to keep yep. going. You know, yeah. Had... There's already allegations that Michael was murdered. Well, so, only by Latoya, you know, and yeah, you know, well, the you know. cheese slipped off the cracker quite a while ago. There, so. Well, they were also yeah. saying that he he had faked his death in order to avoid, uh, you know, all the all the debt he's in, and then right. that Mahmoud on a dinner jacket uh, did it to distract people away from the Iran protests. So, wow. Yeah, I mean, people are really stretching. I think yeah, one of the yeah. Russian news reports, I think it was FSB was saying, or people were saying that FSB was saying that the CIA killed Michael Jackson uh, with some special experimental weapon that uh, exploded his heart with some kind of uh, special EMP. So wow. there are some really yeah. freaky ideas Just going amazing. around out there right Probably now. Not. Just yeah. <laughs> probably not. I'm guessing no. <laughs> I think but... for the sheer incompetence... <laughs> That it would probably not. It be sounds CIA. like he was addicted to Xanax, and just <laughs> yeah. had way too much. Yeah, wow. yeah. You know, and yeah. there's there's probably a a doctor Nakapopoulos or whatever, just like there was for Elvis. You know, who would just you know wrote prescriptions with a mimeograph machine, and it was all well and good. And right. I don't know if yeah. that's what they're looking for, mm-hmm. or you know, it's just hey. This is easier yeah. to cover than actually sending people to a foreign place and asking questions. I don't know. This is pretty know. weird it's considering he was he was married to Priscilla Presley, right? Well, he had a giant he had a yeah. giant fetish for Elvis Presley, yeah. uh, you know, and that's why he declared himself the king of pop. And well, so did Nicolas Cage, <laughs> the king of pop. Uh, no, Nicolas Cage also had a real fascination for Elvis. Too. I was just picturing him declaring I... <laughs> himself the king of pop. I'm Nicolas Cage. Oh, by the, the way, king of pop. I rented uh, Knowing. With Nicholas oh, Cage, geez. you know that I put in one of those categories where the where the trailer is nothing like the film. The film is incredibly dark, incredibly depressing, uh, and you know you look at the trailer and you think, oh, it's kind of like National Treasure. He's got a, a page full of code and he'll somehow break it. That's and, what I thought for you know, sure. Find a, oh God, no, <laughs> no. Was it better or worse than that? Well, <laughs> thumbs up or thumbs down. Well, I mean, I would say that it's worth renting. It's just that if if you rent it with the idea that, you know, because like they show the trailer, he's talking to his little boy and he said, you know, I'll never let anything happen right. to you. And then there's like these disasters happening. So you kind of get the sense that, okay, this sheet of paper predicted every, uh, you know, tragedy for the last 50 years, but there was three that had not yet occurred. Mm-hmm. You know, so mm-hmm. Nicolas Cage in here plays a professor from MIT and, you know, he's very much a, a pragmatist and, you know, a determinist and this is not fitting in at all, but yet all of these things fall into place. And 
by the end of the movie, you're just thinking, how in the fuck did I get here? <laughs> you know, it, it just like, oh my God. It was sort of like about Schmidt. Oh yeah. You watch it and they must've taken the only two seconds in that movie that was funny and said, oh, here's, here's the movie. No. Dear no. Nagubu. Yeah. <laughs> Sit down. I've got some really bad news. So, yeah, I, that one is just rented and- If you and, dare. Yeah. Let me know what you think. Well, you know, I, w- I wanted to say one other thing about the John Dillinger film is that another conspiracy about John Dillinger is that his penis resides at the Smithsonian. Right, because it was huge. Because <laughs> it was huge and- yeah. Apparently, yeah, that's mm. completely not true. And even the autopsy, yeah. they, they did remove his brain, I believe, just like Michael Jackson, I guess, for the autopsy. They removed they, his they brain. They did that for Abe Lincoln, too. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. the only way they got the bullet out. But the rumor is someone who removed Elvis's penis. <laughs> really? I'd never heard the Elvis penis theory. Yeah, no, yeah. There, there's a radio recording that is uh, apparently from the uh, coroner that did the autopsy. And he claims that someone kind of came in the back door and said, I'll give you this big stack of money if you give me Elvis's you know, really? daily job there. And, wow. Wow. and apparently he did it, but whatever, who knows? Right. You know, speaking of penises, which I always kind of <laughs> wanted to say, uh, I, I saw Bruno, okay. uh, which was actually really, really fun. It was a nice cleansing hour and a half of absolute disgust. And yeah, it was it was just like Borat in ways where you were cringing and kind of covering your eyes and saying, oh, no, he's not going to do that, is he? Wow. And then he does. Um, yeah, <laughs> well, that's cool. There's I, a I sequence like involving the human genitalia talking to you that's just pretty <laughs> over the top. Wow. Over the top. But Sasha Baron Cohen is really funny at those. My, my main question after watching the movie is, how is he still alive? Because he goes face to face and offends people so deeply. There's a scene where he's in a cage match pretending to be a Ted Nugent kind of character. And then and then ends up making out with the guy he's supposed to wrestle with. And they're in a cage surrounded by rednecks who just really want to kill him for what they're doing. <laughs> wow. And yeah, it's just amazing the guy's still alive. I read a review once <laughs> where they were saying that I don't don't know how long uh, Sasha can keep doing these <laughs> movies because, you know, people are going to recognize him after a while and go, oh, OK. Yeah. Now what? There's a scene yeah. with Ron Paul that was really uncomfortable in this movie, too. Wow. And there's a couple really funny cameos that I won't give away, but they're really, really funny. I, I laughed out loud a lot during during that film. You know, I would see it for that alone, just because I, I don't think I've ever seen a picture of Ron Paul. I'll give one away. The Harrison Ford is, is worth it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> the Harrison okay. Ford five seconds is, is worth it right there. But uh, yeah, it was really over the top and funny. And I heard the gay community was a little bit up in arms about it. I'd love to hear what any of our gay listeners thought of it. But yeah. I, I never thought he was really making fun of being gay. He was making fun of being this crazy fashionista model character. That's what I thought. Yeah. And, and not representative of the gay community, but, you know, no. crazy. And, and it was fun. All right. But Sounds I, good. I guess he had to cut out a... He, he caught LaToya Jackson and right before... Uh, release of the film they had to cut that out because michael had died and they didn't want to oh. they didn't want to offend the michael jackson estate is this like uh, gangs in new york had to be put back for two three years because at the very end there yeah. was a picture of the twin towers that's right that's right and that had so much to do with the film <laughs> i mean you know it really revolved around the twin towers yeah. so i can see why they put yeah. it on the shelf anyway but anyways holocaust denial yeah well um just maybe to work our way into Holocaust denial. Uh, I saw the movie Gattaca, and uh, it, it's from a few years back, and it's uh, sci-fi. 
and kind of Ethan a Logan's Hawk. kind of a Logan's run inside. Yeah, my Thurman. That's right. Yeah, it, it, it was a fun movie. Uh, um, you know, not the best movie I ever saw, but it was definitely you know worth a rental. It, it, but it, it's all about genetic engineering and mm-hmm. how uh, you know you almost have two classes of people. One that you know the perfectly engineered group that does all the you know fancy, cool, smart things, and the then everybody else that just sweeps the floors. Right, and kind of like Brave New World. You know, you got yeah, your deltas yeah. and your epsilons and. Yeah, everyone but else. We could do a whole show on dystopians. Oh God, <laughs> yeah, very yeah. easily. <laughs> so anyway, I, I give it a thumbs up. Um, don't need to get into detail, but I think it does lead into the show a little bit because it deals with uh, segregating people by based on uh, different criteria. Other Man than or the, Superman, other than their actual worth. Yeah, that's right. So well, actually, I think with Holocaust now, I like to start with. Um, the story that came out a couple of weeks ago on the BBC News, which, which was called The Rise of Hate 2.0. And uh, it starts off talking about that the number of hate and terrorist websites. Now, I'm not sure how they define terrorist right, or hate for that matter, but has increased by a third in the past year, according to the Simon Wiesenthal Center. And what kicked this off was that there were several Holocaust denial groups that had uh, posted sites on Facebook. Of course, you know, there, some of these groups were saying, really, we should take them off. It was propagating anti-Semitism. Barry Schmidt, who was a spokesman for Facebook, said, well, it's, it's a place where controversial ideas should be discussed. The bottom line is, is that we abhor Nazi ideals and find Holocaust denial repulsive and ignorant. However, we believe people have a right to discuss these ideas. A few days later, though, they pulled the sites. I think that, did they pull all the sites or the ones that... Uh claimed or had comments that said go kill the Jews or they, actually had they were inciting violence. They they closed down two. One was uh Holo Hoax and based on the facts, <laughs> dot dot dot. Holocaust denial is is implicitly illegal in thirteen countries currently. Holocaust denial itself is something that is actually fairly recent, but I think it 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 bears a special report on conspiracy theory because I believe it truly lies in that level. There's a lot yeah. of Holocaust deniers who want to, um, oh, put a put an academic shine on their material by saying that no, what we're trying to do is is revisionist. No, because revisionist means that you're going. Yeah, new evidence has come. New to evidence light. has come to the forefront. Right. You know that that uh, changes what we thought happened exactly. Like for, like for instance, but, the theory that uh, all the Native Americans came across the Bering Strait when it was exposed thirteen thousand years ago, and that there was no inhabitants previous to that is being challenged all the time by you know new evidence. Mm-hmm. So new evidence forces you to look at a paradigm or an established mm-hmm. school of thought. This is not established in any way. Which is unique in a certain sense. Now, when we say the Holocaust, of course, what we're talking about is the extermination of the Jews, communists, gays. Jerry Lewis. Political dissidents. Yes, Jerry Lewis. <laughs> I, God, I wish you wouldn't have brought that up because the Nutty Professor was on today. And I almost just stayed home and watched it. <laughs> you know, I'm, of course, speaking of the 1963 classic, not the... Eddie, Eddie Murphy, Murphy, Eddie Murphy. Yeah. travesty, travesty. Yep. Yeah. So, although yeah. if Eddie Murphy did the Day of the Clown cried, you know, picked up the reins, 
I'd probably give it a look. <laughs> That'd be interesting. Yeah, it'd be probably yeah. sold in the retread bin right along with Pluto and Ash. But... I've, de- I've deftly managed yeah. to avoid watching Meet Dave at the eight-year-old Viking princess's insistence. So, <sighs> so far, so good. It's just yeah. a matter of time. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> but what's interesting, when we're talking about the Holocaust, we're again, we're, we're talking about the extermination of essentially European Jewry of in the 1930s and the 1940s. Of course, this also included other groups, the Romani, um, the uh, basically anyone that that the Reich did not want in their occupied territory. Which was a lot of different groups. Which was a lot you of know, different people because gypsies and we're all familiar Russians. with the, the yellow star, but those that triangle colored system that they had was fairly extensive and covered a number yeah. of different groups. Homosexuals. Homosexuals and uh, which I yes, I believe is is uh you know been used again for uh AIDS awareness and so forth. But yeah. The point being is that as as far as genocides go, if you if you consult the Guinness Book of World Records, look under G for genocide, you'll find that obviously Stalin and Mao far outweighed anyone in, in sheer numbers killed in in their various programs or pogroms or however you want to put it. Oh, the films I've seen about Stalin's the Gulag system oh, and yeah yeah, but the thing that stands out about the Nazis is that it was an industrial process taken to its illogical conclusion. Yeah. It was so mathematical. It was. And that's yeah. the, that's the point of it. It is so well documented that even the, and of course the the Holocaust went through stages. They didn't just it didn't just come out fully formed. At first they uh, had SS special units mm-hmm. that were attached when they invaded eastward into Poland and into the Soviet Union and so forth, the Einsatzgruppen. But, and, and this was essentially they just rounded people up, dug huge trenches, shot them, and then just filled in the, the trenches. I mean, this was very, yeah. very primitive, but they still took these incredible records of each number killed, you know, in, in each area. And, yeah. But, and then, of course, you know, as an advance, they had um, delousing vans, which were vans where the um, tailpipe went back into the back of the the van. So the more you drove around, they would have pictures of smiling, happy, partying people on there. They load them in there, they drive around for a while, and then shovel out the bodies. Then, of course, the early prototype death camps, they would bury all the bodies, and it would screw up the water table and everything else, and they couldn't. uh, Treblinka was a good example. They just used these big trenches with... Uh, steel rails and would just stack the bodies on there, and then of course the the fat from the the bodies would would start to to warp the steel and everything. Treblinka is a good example because when these camps were done doing what they were supposed to do, all evidence of it was to be removed. And Treblinka to this day, um, people have to go by survivors' memories. That and some very mm-hmm. creepy reminders, like some of these melted steel ingots that are just laying in the ground, which were the ones that, from all the bodies burning, just melted the steel, and then they buried that somewhere else. Right. And there's also rusty uh, barbed wire growing through trees, and that's about the only thing to to show that th- this camp even existed. Which makes mm-hmm. it convenient for Holocaust deniers. Yeah. It I, does. It does I, in a lot of ways. and. and well, and of course, the the Nazis tried to uh, cover their tracks as much as they could, 
mm-hmm. uh, because they didn't want to get caught when the Allies were, you know, rolling into Germany. That's right. Except so, by this time, the system was so extensive, yeah. there was no way that you could cover it up. Right. I mean, it actually began in the 30s with um, a lot of the the uh, mentally ill or impaired. Right. You know, they were just killed outright, and all the death certificates said pneumonia or something like that, and and those bodies were found too. Yeah. One thing I will always hand to Dwight Eisenhower was that when the war ended and these camps started opening, getting opened up by the Allies, and every ally had a completely different reaction to it. Like the you know the Soviets, the British, the Americans, they they really did not know what to do, and information did not come from top end down. Like if you discover one of these camps, you do this or you do that. So a lot of times they would. Like the Soviets would just sort of like let everybody go. Well, where do you go? You know, you're half starved, half dead from disease or whatever. Yeah. Um, the Americans would start, you know, giving them their K rations. Well, I mean, these people are are pretty much starved. To do that is is almost like you know giving them poison because their bodies can't process it. So there was no information that was you know it just yeah was a huge shock to people when. And they started opening them up. So Eisenhower had all of the major studio heads from Hollywood flown out with any equipment that they needed to completely and utterly document this whole, right, this whole ugly, ugly scene. Because he said, in in ten years from now, people are not going to believe that this happened because just the sheer immensity of it yeah. and the the cruelty of it is is just going to be beyond people. That's a lot of foresight for him to be thinking of it that. Is. Dwight Eisenhower had a lot of things that were very forward-looking, <clears throat> mm-hmm. and yeah, that was yeah. definitely one of them. And so a film was made, and it was shown in the United States, and a lot of people saw it, and then the film was more or less shelved. So mm-hmm. people knew that it happened, but once they had seen the brutality, they were tired of war, they wanted to get on with their lives and so on. So It's not something you really want to see. Right. And yeah. so the Holocaust more or less just sort of fell to the pages of history. And that's when the denials started to yeah. occur is is probably well, you could say it almost started almost immediately, but really probably uh, nineteen sixty is when it began. Yeah. I, I mean it, it starts out originally with the you know, the actual perpetrators, the Nazi themselves saying Oh no, I didn't do this. You know, it's the typical right. criminal saying yes. I didn't do it. But that's that's right. That, so that's that's kind of a given. But one thing I wanted to say just about you know how nasty that the Nazis were and how cruel and how uh, quick they were to just kill off whole groups is uh, this isn't really part of the Holocaust. But then again, maybe it is. But but they killed off a, a large section of the SA because th- they were seen as dangerous to the Hitler regime. Right. And the, the SA was, you know, part of the, you know, Nazi core at the very beginning. And they were... They were considered beefsteak Nazis is what they called them, which yeah. was uh, brown on the outside and red on the inside. They took the socialism part of national socialism a little bit too far. Yeah. So they weren't quite right. So, you know, Hitler was willing to kill them off, even though they were, you know, sort of close cousins. Really, in a way, so we're yeah. really talking a brutal regime. So if they can kill off the SA, you know, yeah, they can kill off the Jews, the homosexuals, the Russians, the Gypsies. They can make it all happen, right? And of course, you know, the the final solution, as it was come to be called, you know, was was first discussed at the at the Vanasse conference, and it it was really a very short conference, and they were they just discussed, look. We can't keep sending them to labor camps. We can't keep sending them out of the country. We have to start, essentially, 
the way it was worded too was was very even amongst themselves very cloaked you know so really what it came down to is even a labor camp was a death camp because if you're giving somebody less than 2,000 calories a day and working them for 15 hours a day, they're going to die sooner or later. So like some of the uh, rocket, like Pinmunda, the Camp Dora and so forth, where all these you know thousands of people died digging these um, huge caves and storage bunkers into solid stone. You know, good old Werner von Braun, you know, he... He helped the American space program, so we're going to forget all about him being a major in the SS and all that going on. Yeah. So, but what's, what's interesting is is that um, one of the arguments that deniers use is that all these these warehouses full of documents saying this is exactly what had happened. This is the death count for today. Because by the time they had gotten to like Auschwitz and and some of the you know bigger camps, this this became an industrial process. You know, yeah. people went to the left or they went to the right. Um, their hair was shorn, their clothes were taken, any gold from their teeth, any jewelry, anything yeah. like that. I When I was in Germany, I toured uh, Buchenwald, mm-hmm. and they they would come up and, you know, they would check their teeth for gold and, uh, you know, whatever else. They would measure their height to see how tall they were. And then they would go in the next room. They had to sit on a bench and... The guy with the gun knew what height they were at, so he'd just hold the pistol through the slot at that height and pull the trigger, kill them. And then once they're dead, you know, they knew whether or not they had gold teeth, so they'd pull the gold teeth, and then it was off to the furnace. Right. I mean, it was so, it was really like an assembly line, which is It was, in a lot of ways. Sick. And, and all of those materials were used for something, the shoe leather, the hair, right. all of that. What's interesting is that they, they say that all these documents are forged. That they're these clever, clever forgeries. I mean, forget the sheer bulk. Yeah, the numbers of the documents. But the one thing that you would have to ask yourself is, is that the one thing that nobody has ever found is an order or a piece of paper that has Hitler's signature on it where he's ordering the final solution. So clearly, would you have not, if this is all some sort of, you know, Jewish conspiracy, which is really what it comes down to is that this is like uh, the updating of the protocols of Elder Zion. That's Which, what I was wondering if that was tied in in these these Holocaust denials at all. Well, I mean, the the, the protocols were were made up by the Czar, mm-hmm. you know, the Czarist Information uh, or uh, Intelligence Service, and it was passed on as fact that you know they meet in graveyards and use the blood of Christian babies to open their ceremony and talk about how to take over the world and now here it's that oh they're just trying to play on our sympathy for something that never really happened so then in order they can get this 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 and this i mean it, it just yeah. kind of continues on and on and it it makes no sense but and there the, it is nonetheless the point is so it, if it were a big jewish conspiracy they would have forged a hitler, forged a hitler document well, yeah, <laughs> right. that, that would yeah. have made the most perfect sense is saying, oh, look, see, it came directly from the top. But in fact, it didn't have to. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, it, these all. And, and one, one of the things that came out in Adolf Eichmann's trial in Israel in the early 60s was um, this, this prosecutor played him beautifully because, I mean, this guy, you know, he was scared shitless and he was dummied up. And it's like, ah, no, no, it's not the same man. No, 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 no. 
Well, he played to his vanity and he just opened up huge and it, and it came out that, no, I wasn't following orders. In fact, I was going against orders because we were using materials that should have gone to the frontline soldiers, uh, troop transports and all these other materials instead to be feeding the death camps. So, I mean, Hitler's order was not necessary. Now, somebody like Mm -hmm. Stalin, yes, you would find his name on documents all over because he was a very Mm -hmm. detail-oriented man. He wiretapped himself, too, and and everyone around him. Whereas Hitler was kind of this, you know, big, spacey dreamer most Mm -hmm. of the time. Yeah, Yeah, Stalin was worried about people trying to take over power from him, and and most of his purges were kind of randomized in the direction of the person that he megalomaniacally thought that day was going to kill him or the the groups that were plotting against him and it was a lot different than Hitler's. In fact, he had a huge Jewish pogrom planned in 53 when he died against Jewish doctors of all things, but yeah, yeah the death of the intelligentsia yeah. in Russia is that's a terrible terrible toll for the right. country. But now the Nazis did have uh, a partial cover up of the Holocaust. There were documents that were destroyed. Yes. Uh, and so it's possible there was a Hitler declaration within those documents. It's also possible Hitler just gave a verbal order. Yes, all these things are possible. I mean, and, I'm yeah. sure he probably knew in some way, but it didn't really matter. I mean, this was a huge money-making enterprise, and it was also a way to really gain power within, I mean, Himmler and Heydrich and that whole group within the SS used uh, the final solution to gain more and more power uh, you know, power within the Reich as well. So, right. I mean, it, it and, was... and, and, and Hitler ba- pretty much endorsed it as early as the writing of Mein Kampf. Oh, yes. Not before. So yeah. this is, it was not a secret that he didn't like Jews. No, no, it wasn't. And, but, but the thing was, is that anti-Semitism ran through Europe for centuries and centuries. Yeah. I mean, this was probably the, the latest and most, yeah. but, and it was at, at the time it was probably pretty strong in the U.S. too. I, I, mean, I read that in the Dearborn Independent. Uh, yeah, the Dearborn exactly. Independent. Thank you, yes. Henry Ford. <laughs> uh huh. Um, the Nazi. Uh, the, yeah. <laughs> well, it's best not to even go back into that. But the key claims of Holocaust denial are essentially these three points: that the Nazis did not have an official policy or program or intention of exterminating European Jewry, which, of course, the Wannsee Conference documents just by themselves completely blow out of the water. Nazis did not use gas chambers to ma- to murder to mass murder Jews. Uh, their claims are usually that they uh, died of disease. Uh, the the figure of five to seven million Jewish deaths is a gross exaggeration. The actual number is an order of magnitude lower. So it wasn't it wasn't quite that big. But when you go through uh, some of the, the leading authors of Holocaust denial, you find over and over and over again that they will misinterpret something wildly and whatever flies in the face of that, as far as rational evidence, they just simply ignore. So, for instance, like one of the the first one was, I mean, against the Holocaust denialists, you have the camps themselves. You've got photographs, obviously many, many photographs. There was a a photographic album that was recently uh, put on display at the Holocaust Memorial in Washington, which was... um, One of the officers, wasn't it? Yes, it was, you know, the SS at play. Yeah. 
So it was. They had a little recreation camp just by Auschwitz, and they would be like, "Ooh, we're, we have blueberry ice cream today, or we're we're doing a three-legged race or something." Because you know, unwinding after a long day of mass slaughter. Yeah, there's obviously a it's lot of eyewitness of... testimony, and again, warehouses full of written documents since the fall right. of East Germany and the dissolution of the Soviet Union. Even more of these documents have come to light. And, so. and they have actually documented, I, they figured out the names of three million of the Jews that that were killed. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it was so, such a huge undertaking, it, it, it's hard to track down who was whose because, because entire communities were destroyed and probably all the records with them. So it's yes. hard to know those people even existed. Yet they, they ha- they've documented three million of them. Best estimates are probably about from five million to six million, somewhere in there. Well, the Romani, for instance, were. Uh, and that's there was, there that's was, just the Jews. I mean, they were. Right. It's much higher when you add everybody else in. Right. Well, I mean, it, if you those camps probably, if you doubled that, you know, in terms of all the other people that were thrown right. in there. Uh, but this is a classic thing that we run into whenever we talk about conspiracy theories is the evidence that goes against your conspiracy theory eventually gets rolled into the conspiracy itself. So right. obviously those they would say those pictures are doctored and this That's didn't really true, happen Victor. and these yeah. were all faked. But this one this one to me is is on a par of the Flat Earth Society after 1969. <laughs> yeah. Like are you yeah. fucking kidding me? <laughs> really? Okay. <laughs> I mean yeah. know, this just will not go away. But it's not it's crazy not talk. skinhead German groups that are no. behind a lot of this. Isn't it a lot of the Muslim community? Um, it has become there yes, there there is a fair amount of Holocaust denial that has been picked up in the Arab countries. Um, you know, of course in two thousand six in Iran, Ahmadinejad had that international conference on you know, I think they just made the whole thing up. And, right, right. That's what I that's what I was remembering mm-hmm. that they they talked about it there. Well, also too in Germany itself, which has some of obviously the strictest Holocaust denial laws. Um, after the Second World War, there was a policy of teaching the next generation and the next generation of what happened during those twelve years. Don't just brush this off as some sort of weird anomaly. This is what happened, and this is why it happened. Each generation, though, has become more and more agitated and resentful of that of that hmm. uh, education because, and I, I suppose you have a point in that it's like, well, this this was my grandfather, this right, is my, yeah. you know, this is well, not... your national identity is tarnished and exactly. Mm-hmm. And I mean, mm-hmm. in in fact, there was um, there's a uh, a great documentary out called uh, "The Unknown Soldier" or "What Did You Do During the War, Daddy?" Mm-hmm. And it was all about this this um, huge photographic display that uh, first opened in Germany. Mm-hmm. And it was all about uh, war crimes perpetrated by the Wehrmacht. I think, though, that we've probably covered the topic of the Holocaust. I mean, it, there's volumes and volumes written about it, and I'm sure most of our listeners have are fairly familiar with it. If they have um, even basic cable, they have History Channel, and it's probably just drilled into your head. So... I don't think we need to go into too many of the details. So let's mm-hmm. let's instead go into how the denial movement started. Okay. Yeah. I mean, first of course, as Torres said, you know, you had the Nazis themselves saying, "Oh well, no, this uh, this didn't happen." Well, obviously, in a lot of their documents, even though they were supposed to be, you know, be 
fairly on the QT about it. They would, you know, make <laughs> maintenance complaints about, well, we need bigger baffles on the ovens and stuff like that. In fact, the uh, company that made the the ovens for Auschwitz uh, later patented as a baker's oven, commercial baker's oven, <laughs> untouched. I mean, it just Ugh. passed right through. But I, wow. the Holocaust denial movement, there certainly have been European historians that have that have picked up on this and, and certainly fringe groups. But unfortunately, there's been a lot of American historians who have uh, done this type of thing. Um Harry Elmer Barnes, uh, for instance, he actually had a very libertarian uh, background, started, I would say, a, a very real Holocaust denial stance and starting to question, well, how is this possible? How could this have been done? And you start asking the questions over and over again. Arthur Butts is probably one of the best known. He came up with some really bizarre ideas to explain, you know, how all these people just disappeared. He had... Um, explanations like um, they were just um, in bad marriages and uh, <laughs> oh. just didn't want to go back to the spouse. So they just picked up and got lost in a larger Jewish population and, and uh, remarried that uh, they... millions of them. <laughs> oh yeah. I mean, you know, even, even in the Nazi documents, they, they use the, like the, the term delousing van in, in quotations, you know, it's obviously a euphemism. <laughs> uh -huh. And these guys are like, well, no, it was really a delousing de van. van. Yeah. yeah, no, <laughs> no. I think, uh. I think the point about a lot of these authors is that, number one, they don't really have an academic leg to stand on. There, there is no revisionism here. This is, is just, we want to see what we want to see and everything else goes away. Right. And the more we re firm our position, the, the wider we can spread our work. I mean, I'm, I'm very conflicted about uh, what Facebook did with these groups because I, as horrendous as these things are, and, and as I say, there are 13 countries that currently have Holocaust denial laws, and all those countries are countries where a, where a lot of this took place. So you can certainly yeah. see why, why they're doing that. But as far as taking these groups off of Facebook, I would rather have them exposed and out in the open. Yeah, you know, they might get a few recruits that, you know, just aren't going to take that extra step to really, you know, bother to look at the evidence, even in a cursory fashion. But to me, it's better to have them in the light than just spreading their nasty little, you know, doctrine wherever they do. And, and, and certainly these websites exist. I mean, Stormfront. All, there was a yeah. great story about a month ago where this neo-Nazi group wanted to um, own a highway, you know, so they would have to put, you know, this highway. Oh, is, yes, I read that. owned by, you know, oh. whatever. <laughs> so the, the, the town decided to name it after this, this Jewish philosopher historian. And, <laughs> and it's like, so all these neo-Nazis are going to be, you know, picking up trash on, on this, on this Jewish that highway. That is named brilliant. After. I, do, I think yeah, so, too. Yeah. It's like, see, now that's. You got to be creative in a way. Oh, you do. Yeah. You do. But I, I think that the trick with Facebook is. Uh, you know, when you sign up for a Facebook account, it's free. You don't have to pay for it. And uh, yet the company itself, of course, is paying for the server fees and all that. Mm -hmm. So in a way, they're kind of providing uh, 
the, the neo-Nazis a, a venue for free, or, or they're almost financing it. Mm-hmm. And and I think that's where the problem comes in. When the, when the Nazis uh, buy a website themselves and pay for their own servers, that's a little different. From my point of view, that the company Facebook is is not obligated to uh, host the the neo Nazi. I think pages. it's dangerous though as a society. I mean, we at Tank but, Riot have a Facebook group for Tank Riot. I mean, so and there are yeah, other started Tank Riot by someone groups. else. For, for Gojasan is running it. Thank you very much for that. Yeah, and um, it's it's dangerous because it is a corporation basically that is becoming yeah. a ubiquitous. Uh, platform of speech. And that's the other side of the coin is we don't want the corporations to dictate what we can talk about. <laughs> no, no. Right. So it I is mean, a complicated issue. I really want. Exactly. I mean, yeah, because the corporations exactly. are in a large part, our German industry is what put Hitler in power in 33. Right. So. Yeah. Well, what but, I, but saying, I agree. Well, I think you're right. They, they're not obligated to keep them on Facebook, but it, it's a very messy situation. I don't think they deleted all of them. I, right. I think they deleted the ones that purely were inciting violence against other ethnicities or racial groups or right. in the messages we're saying really hateful, violent, in, uh, inciting statements. Well, you know, what I was starting to say before, there, there was this great documentary that's out called The Unknown Soldier or Daddy, What Did You Do During the War? It was about a photographic exposition that was in Germany mm-hmm. uh, first, and it was done uh, largely by uh, uh, you know German historians, and it talked about the Wehrmacht's role in these war crimes. Now, what Tor was saying before about uh, the Night of the Long Knives with the SA being taken over by the SS, well, one of the things that really got that moving was the Wehrmacht saying, look, you're... The essay is bigger and more organized than we are. You get rid of them, we'll swear loyalty. And and mm. they were guilty of as many of the crimes. I mean, everyone is. It always became useful for people to say, "Oh, it was just the SS. It was just these fanatics, like the Einsatzgruppen, and so forth." No, in fact, it wasn't. But and there was a lot of people in Germany that were incredibly upset. And and I guess that's my point is like, if you don't bring these things into the light for discussion, number one, people are not going to know about this, are not going to be challenged to find out the details right. or, mm-hmm. or other arguments. And also, too, you know, even more recent genocides now are being questioned whether they truly happened, like uh, Rwanda, for instance. And that was, you know, just in the 90s. It wasn't oh, yeah. that long ago. Yeah. So it, it, it's uh, often genocides are denied. People want to think they didn't happen. My my favorite uh, target of the uh, Holocaust deniers is the Diary of Anne Frank. Oh right. Now I don't know if any of you guys were you know read that book or or anything. Oh yeah, and this the the true story itself beyond the book is terribly depressing. We're gonna need a unicorn chaser at the end of this episode. Oh yeah, no <laughs> kidding. We're talking about Anne Frank. You, you now? talk about yeah, talk about Nicolas Cage and <laughs> oh, knowing. I think we're taking this down this, but I mean, there's really no way yeah. to talk about this without uh, right. It was not a good time. You know, and and in fact. Uh, how do they how do they target and the diary of Anne Frank? Well, there's multiple copies, and uh, no, this just couldn't happen this way, and everything. And of course, you know, people have gone through and and they've you know matched the handwriting, the the paper, the ink, everything. No, this is authentic. This is like one girl's view of what was happening. Mm-hmm. And uh, I mean, to to attack the diary of Anne Frank to me is like, oh my god, are you kidding me? Yeah, that's a pretty bad conspiracy. Although theory. I will say yeah. that uh, Effley Bailey did use the Nuremberg defense to defend Callie and Mendez in the Milai massacre in the '60s. Mm. So I guess you know, if it works once, 
I was only following orders. Yeah, things kind of keep repeating themselves, which is why you have to be a good student of history. That's right. And and bring these debates out into the open. And yeah, you know, you're right. There's probably people who are going to look at this and they're going to believe whatever. The Internet, to me, was always supposed to be one of these places where you could have these sorts of discussions. You could look things up. You and and don't believe everything you read, but but it it inspires you to go check it out. Mm-hmm. Be your own fact checker. Well, I find the internet to be still an incredible wild west of wacky information, be it oh, yeah. right or wrong, or usually completely wrong. But you have to look harder. You have to look deeper. Oh, I mean, that's yeah. that's the point of, of yeah. what I was I was saying about. You have to look the, smarter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, it was the point I was trying to make about uh, Michael Jackson. It was that if if we've if we've taken news, when I was a kid, news was thirty minute thirty to sixty minutes long, mm-hmm. and it was once a day, and there was such a thing as well journalistic integrity back then. <laughs> I know it's kind of a myth now, and I and I'm sure they have it in a glass case in the Smithsonian, but yeah. <laughs> It wasn't this um, celebrity information. It mm-hmm. wasn't that, oh, my God, it really is just as important to know the toxicology report of Michael Jackson as fill in the blanks. Right. I mean, I get more out of the news just by going to the BBC News web's website and clicking on a day in pictures than I do from CNN or any of these other news agencies. It's just... It's oh, sad. Yeah. It's it, sad. Yeah. I find the Google News uh, random reader is kind of fun to... Oh, sure. To just find the various outlets and, you know, go by section. But the, the BBC is fantastic for real, actual reporting. It's amazing. So. Oh, yeah. I think so, too. And And as ugly as this stuff is, maybe because this stuff is so ugly... That one of the things that Hitler used to justify the persecution of the Jews and these other groups that the Reich just didn't want to tolerate was the fact that, uh, and this was a direct quote attributed to Hitler, not on paper, but a direct quote that, well, what about the Armenian genocide? Nobody remembers that. There's piles of photographic evidence that German soldiers took under sentence of death that they took these photos that, yeah, the Turks did kill thousands of these Armenians, which the Turkish government still will not own up to to today. Mm -hmm. I mean, they still just deny that, oh, no, no, that couldn't have possibly happened. And with each passing year, it becomes easier to deny that. You know, and and that's the point, is that these genocides do take place. They're so fantastically cruel. They're so ugly. They're so dark. And they represent this side of humanity that we'd all rather just ignore and pretend never happens. And that's part of why I think the strength of these denials works is that they, they yeah, you you don't want to think that people are capable of day in, day out right. just killing people. But it's also but, why companies like Facebook don't want it on there because they don't want to think that people could be using Facebook to promote that kind of right. zealous hatred. Well, I mean, yeah, yeah I mean, I, you, you can look at it that way, but I guess in the end, that's what I thought the internet was going to be for. Mm-hmm. And instead now it's just become this stifling maze of, you know, copyright laws and, well, you, you can say this, but you can't say that. And we prefer you don't say this at all. Yeah, I think these groups are loony. I think they're certainly, I mean, price of a free society. Yeah, the Nazis <laughs> get to march in Skokie. And well, that's what I was going to say. That's why the Ku Klux Klan yeah. loves to come to Madison and, and run a little rally around the Capitol because it right. really gets Madison upset. And the group right. that I love that combats them the best is uh, Clowns Against the Klan. And what do they do? 
they dress up in clown clan <laughs> outfits, and it works better than anything else you could do. Yeah, they're, they're dying for someone to throw a brick at them or something. I That's mean, what they, they want. They, they want yeah. violence yeah. to happen. They want That's to right. be persecuted as some kind of heroes for the white. Instead, you got yeah. a bunch of guys like in you know rainbow clan outfits, you know, just <laughs> dancing around, and that's hilarious. Yeah, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so, and and you know, some of the more recent things, of course, you know, the Pope. There were four ultra-conservative bishops that uh, were part of the Society of St. Pius X, and their excommunications were lifted. And one of them uh, was, you know, Bishop Williamson, uh, was born in Britain, but gave this uh, uh, television interview in Sweden saying, oh, I don't think they died in a gas chamber, I don't think they did this, or I don't think they did that. And they're, they're just like lessening that. Mm. And there are real yeah. lessons to be learned in history. And when you keep diffusing them or refusing to expand them or look out at different things. And I'm not, I'm not saying that revisionism is a bad thing. I mean, there's a lot of people that called Howard Zinn's a people's history of the United States revisionist history. Was it revisionist? No, it was from a different point of view. Yeah. It had a great perspective. That's right. right. Yeah. It all depends whether or not you base it on fact. <laughs> well, right, yeah. Or yeah, stuff that, you make that, up. That, that terrible F word, you <laughs> yeah. know, where you, you actually have to have something Four to back F this word. up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, like we talked about in an earlier podcast about uh, uh, Hitler and Nietzsche's elderly sister, and he was trying to use Nietzsche as this kind of polish on, on fascism, which, of course, you know, Nietzsche, if you were alive, was saying, what? <laughs> yeah. Not even a little. <laughs> no. <laughs> Yeah, and it, there really is so much dirt to go around, and you, you have to own up to it. If you're going to say your country's great, you got to say, my country's great, except for this, this, and that. you got to own up to the mistakes. Right. Of course, we all know about slavery in the U.S. and, right. you know, in, in turning the Japanese population during World War II. You know, we right. did bad things. The island nation of St. Kitts and Nevis, the uh, French, actually, and the British took time off from fighting each other to uh, slaughter the entire native population of those two islands. So that wasn't good. Yeah, right. <laughs> There's stuff like this all but the way can, through history. You can, you can yeah. cover that stuff up yeah. really by no effort at all, simply by not mentioning it, not putting it through the dead white guys K through 12 history. It just becomes this weird factoid you'll see in Ripley's or something. I mean, you don't have to have this big denial movement or revisionist movement. You can simply just ignore it and people will not look into it anymore. And that's the point, is that many of the topics that we have talked about don't take anything you see on the internet as the gospel truth. Certainly not us. Look it up. Find out. Figure and, it out for yourself. Email us at feedback at tankriot.com and tell yep. us we're and wrong. And many of you have. <laughs> and I especially want to do a big shout out to the to, to the person who uh, corrected us on um, the, the true authors of Mad World. It was not Pet Shop Boys. We had been drinking. <laughs> our blood alcohol level was very high. We failed ourselves. We failed ourselves. It was Tears for Fears. We are covered in shame. Oh. <laughs> We own both versions of the song. (laughs) (laughs) So I know you already, you know, write in and say, you know, I don't think this was right or that was right. And that's fine. And that's really what we're promoting more than anything is that, yes, there's this huge glot of information on TV, on radio, on the Internet, on podcasts, you name it. 
But it is up to you, the individual, to try to figure it out. And don't take anybody's word as the truth. It just isn't That's so. That's right. You know, when I, I just have to add this because it's kind of relevant and funny, is when my wife was pregnant uh, with the tiniest Viking princess, Lumpy. Uh, Lumpy. <laughs> when she was pregnant, she was on the internet quite a bit looking up different things and conditions and problems that, that her physician would make her aware of. Oh, Lord. And at a certain point, her physician even told her, don't go on the internet. Yeah. <laughs> just, just don't <laughs> go just, on the internet. You're going to hear the most weird <laughs> apocryphal not even stories. worth it. Yeah. Because yeah. at a certain point, yeah, if you have a real relevant problem or like a health concern, you, you really have to be smart about what you're reading and why you're taking it seriously. There's yeah, a lot right. of there's a lot of reliable medical sources that I go to on the Internet. Mm -hmm. And right. then there's total lunatics and forums that will tell you. But anything. it's up right. to you to find a source right. that, that you <laughs> feel with comfortable it. with mm -hmm. and, and can be backed up. Right. Taking these sites off of Facebook, to me, in a certain way, gives these creatures more power. Mm -hmm. It gives them more credibility because then people will think, well, they took them off. There must be some reason. There must be a conspiracy behind this. You know, and yeah, that's the thing is that when you say, and we have, we've all studied conspiracy theory. And the problem of it is, is that no matter how clear headed you go into it, there's going to be a certain point where you're going to read one and you're going to go, well, geez, that, there might be a point to that, you yeah. know, and right. then, then you're screwed. <laughs> that's then the hook's in. <laughs> the hook that's know? the time you really got to dig hard on the facts, though. Oh, is when it starts looking plausible. It's like, OK, wait, let's step back and really look at the facts. That's right. And, you know, do the digging. Right. I mean, I can remember as a kid reading like, you know, Donald Kehoe's uh, The Flying Saucers Are Real mm -hmm. and things like that. And being a kid thinking, oh, there must be something to oh, this. Yeah. Well, later on, of course, you read a little bit more and you realize, well, that was horseshit. <laughs> <laughs> you know? <laughs> and that's okay. It doesn't make you stupid. It doesn't make you anything other than the fact of you're in the process of forming that opinion. So Whitley Stryber's novels aren't true? You know, yeah, <laughs> the Turner Diaries. I don't think so. Or what's what's the what's the one that they always do for the uh, apocalypse? Is it Last Exit? Is that mm -hmm. it? Yeah. Oh my God, those! <laughs> I just, you know, I I look, I, I try to find copies of those, and I know that I'm getting red flagged like all over, <laughs> just because I'm curious myself. Because I mean, I've read a lot of these these books because they are more or less banned books. <laughs> And I, go to the library. What is Sputnik checking out today? Well, you know, <laughs> I, I think I, I related this story in our Kurt Vonnegut podcast, but uh, in my high school, you could not find a copy of Kurt Vonnegut's novels because uh, the librarian felt that they were just just awful, mm. just just awful. So, I mean, that because I had I had read something about um, we're pro librarian too, just not that. Oh one. no, hey, right? Yeah, the obviously not that one. The librarians were uh -huh. like the last vestige of freedom during the Patriot Act. Uh -huh. I mean, when the we've feds came in, and said, from some librarians, give me the list of, and they were saying, I don't think so. Right. I mean, God bless them. They're mm -hmm. yeah, <laughs> they're all right. But if your librarian says uh, they're not going to carry a certain book, that's probably a good time to just go buy it from the bookstore. I bought everything mm -hmm. I could find of Kurt Vonnegut's and I read them all. So, you know, yeah. thank you. Yeah. You uh -huh. know? And so it, it doesn't have to be. And, and yes, you, you can, when you're looking for this information, you can go down some real rabbit holes. There's no doubt about this. And that's part of the fun. 
But leave yourself a way out. <laughs> One of the first things I did when I was running a BBS server with my little modem that had to go in the little phone jack to mm-hmm. dial up, and it must have been 32 oh or even worse, was uh, find a digital copy of the Anarchist Cookbook. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That was a classic. A total classic. I just wish I could have printed it out. Yeah. <laughs> that would have taken years. Yeah, the printer would have cost been. millions of lives. <laughs> millions of dollars into the tubes at the time. <laughs> so I, I guess that's that's really uh, about it I, as far as, I mean, it's not really it. There's, uh, I, would, I would urge our listeners to uh, look up any information they can on Holocaust denial because it's a very, yeah. very interesting topic and, and one that is not going to go away. No. And I, I think one of the thing, things that is fueling Holocaust denial is that— Mel Gibson? <laughs> Mel Gibson's dad? P- po- possibly, but I was going to talk <laughs> about Gibson's something tequila. else. <laughs> um, is, Tell me what you're thinking, sugar tits. Is a lot of people are really unhappy— with the uh, current policies of the state of Israel. That is very true. I- I'm included in that. I-, I still don't understand why they, why can't they just all get along, you know? But <laughs> Well, no, I mean, I think when Zionism gets in there, that's when it, that's when it really clouds the water beyond. Right. But you have to keep the two <clears throat> separate. The Holocaust happened. And yes, we do have the state of Israel. And yes, there is a conflict with the Palestinians. Right. And yes, there's fault to find on both sides. A lot of mm-hmm. fault. That's right. a really good and, point. And it's a very good point. I yes. mean, I do believe Zionism is racism. I don't think that that reflects every, you know, citizen of the state of Israel. I, I think the problem. Right. I think the problem of it is is that. Um, you know, Zionism is a, is a very misunderstood concept and uh, school of thought in this country, even though it largely originated mm-hmm. in, in, in America. But what can you do, though? I mean, I honestly, yep. every time I see that bumper sticker with all the religious symbols on it that says coexist. Right. I want to say, well, how? How is that supposed to happen when the fundamental principles of some of these religions are to hate these other people and destroy them? <laughs> well, how, how can you yeah. Yeah. coexist if that is your lead uh, principle and your lead idea? H- however, <laughs> I think I don't think you would have the Iranians and the other uh, groups in the Middle East hating Israel like they do if Israel had taken a more coexist stance. I, since I, no, I, I do agree. I do that agree. Is very true. If, if they've been, if they were a little more happy neighbors, and and, and also too, if the Palestinians were a, a little more willing early on to come to some kind of agreement. Uh, well, and I think also too, you have to say yeah. that you know Egypt and all these other countries were fairly aggressive at that period of time. But I think right. since the Six Day War and Yom Kippur War, that yeah, I think the time is long since passed. When I mean, look, yeah. If you, That's a if, whole nother episode. If you, but, if you delve yeah. into the history, you find out that the Israelis did not come from that piece of land. They came from, you know, Abraham's people came from Iran and Iraq. Um, no, Mohammed probably did not go to Jerusalem and step off that rock. So why don't we just all share Jerusalem and tell our fascinating stories? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, because that's really, in the end, I think what they are, and that's fine. I don't mm-hmm. know that it has to be something... It's certainly not worth killing a person over. It's certainly not right. worth imprisoning somebody in the middle of the night. It's not worth, you know, shelling refugee camps. I mean, it's 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 unbelievable in a lot of ways. Yeah. And yet, like I say, this Holocaust denial and and all of this, 
these genocides continue to happen. And then as time goes on, they continue to just get filtered away. And then it's going to only be a matter of time before the next one because, well, this has never happened before. This is completely unique. Right. No, it's not unique right. at all. It's, it's, it's mm-hmm. in fact, frighteningly regular. Right. So, a red flag should go up anytime you hear you're someone uh, generalizing some group as bad or as right. the problem. That's right. Because that's the... Well, those you know, people the, are the, bad. Those people are the problem. Who do that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, you know, there's... You can't win, can you? Yeah. <laughs> there's a mental condition where, you know, people who go to Jerusalem get so overwhelmed by the sheer weight of history that they become, you know, kind of wandering loonies. Isn't that a video of Whitney Houston? It could be. <laughs> Didn't she do that when she? You know, I honestly think that if I went to Jerusalem, I would probably be one of those people and be just like. Oh, I know some people that worked over there, and and yeah, a lot of the Americans have a lot of difficulty when they get over there, and then getting out and. Right. Yeah, yeah it's not a place that I will be visiting soon. But yes, these these things have happened and they will continue to happen as long as it's so easy to either by ignorance or omission or just <laughs> straight out lying, you can just defuse them over mm-hmm. and over again. This this should be ugly. This should be dark. This should be something avoided at all costs. This isn't war. This isn't anything. I mean, not like war is some sacred thing because it's not. It's yeah. just mass killing like That's, anything else. But when you do something like this... Mm-hmm. There's there's nothing you can say about this that could say oh well it, oh I you know what I almost used a phrase that uh, fog of war we cannot let this podcast <laughs> go right. without acknowledging yes. the passing and I know I don't know I feel like shit now because I'm I'm essentially going into celebrity <laughs> you are you are <laughs> so I suck Robert Strange McNamara Strange McNamara right. oh we we. Covered him in our Errol Morris episode w- yes. when we reviewed the film Fog of War. Yes, which is uh, very good if you learn about want to learn about Robert McNamara. It's really a brilliant film, and I thought McNamara himself came across really great in the film. And I know Sputnik, that you you know think that he was trying to go for a a free pass of. Oh yeah, I didn't. I didn't buy a minute of his bullshit. <laughs> yeah, not not once. Yeah, yeah. And we've been listening to his greatest hits the last week now. <laughs> Ever okay. since he passed. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, the thing about McNamara that always always gets me is that he first started working with the firebombing of the Japanese under uh, Curtis LeMay in, in World War II. Well, he was in economics. Right, but but, that, but that's the but thing, is that he, he, he looked at the world through this lens of numbers and statistics, and by God, if the numbers add up, everything should be fine. And that's yes. the kind of mentality that led to the Holocaust and exactly. leads to a lot yes. of genocides all over. Rumsfeld mm-hmm. always said, well, you know, uh, we just don't have the metrics to really measure how this insurgence is going. He also said, you don't go to war with the army you want. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No oh, man. So Burn. Ma- so McNamara, you know, finally comes, you know, he, he does all the stats and then, you know, <laughs> pre-tat all of a sudden says, you know, Maybe we should sue for peace. <laughs> it's like, boom, you're gone. Next one in, please. But that's the thing is that he got this thing going because he, he believed that if the numbers were right, mm-hmm. then a war is won and a point is made and blah, blah, blah. So, yes, McNamara is is one of the great American douchebags and will not be missed. 
Rule number one is never get involved in a land war in Asia. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> what? No one, yeah. no one gave you a copy of the Art of War? Really? Uh huh. You have to acknowledge the passing of. Um, you do. Yeah. One of the greats. No, he one went of the great to, douchebags. What, what about ninety-three years? Was it? I don't know. Uh, I don't. I. I didn't even think he could be killed conventionally. Yeah, he really hung on there. That's but... Kissinger. Yeah, Kissinger, <laughs> Kissinger will go on forever. Oh my yeah. god! I mean, the day that I hear that I that man passes, briefly, I am going to be shit faced drunk. Uh, <laughs> I will live forever. I will have a Henry party. You may well believe. All the stops will be pulled out when that one's finally gone. <laughs> oh boy. Well, should we do a mailbag unicorn we chaser? Should. We should. <laughs> mailbag. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the love the of love. Mike. Let's move on. <laughs> the love. We'll try to warm it up a little bit. Yes. <laughs> Do you have any email, Star? Yeah, I have an email from uh, Justin, and uh, he he uh, is referring to our uh, worst presidents episode, uh, and that's where I read off all the middle names of uh, I don't know if it was all the presidents, but quite a few of them, because uh, many <laughs> of the presidents have very uh, unique middle names, as does. <laughs> Robert Strange McNamara. What's your middle name? It's Strange. (laughs) No, really. Fine. What is it? it? (laughs) No. (laughs) Well, speaking of S middle names, um, (laughs) Justin writes in to, and at the and the episode, I I I wasn't sure what um, the S stood for in Ulysses S. Grant, and uh, Justin writes in that the S is just an S, and it it doesn't match any name. Now. We've also done episodes on urban legends and that sort of thing. So I don't think this one's quite proven yet. You know, Our fact-checking staff is very split on this one. <laughs> That's right. Well, he was born so, Hiram, or however you pronounce it, Hiram Ulysses Grant. Hiram. Yeah. And, uh, and wasn't it... Yeah, there's another story that we were reading that he might have been um, misrepresented for his nomination as Ulysses S. Grant. Uh, so... yeah. And then I mean, he decided to go with it. <laughs> I don't know. You can't something. just change your name. I mean, but then it's also something that he went by the nickname of Sam. So maybe his name US, was Sa- Samuel Sam. or something so like I that. I thought it was Samuelson or something. Samuel, like that. Yeah. If we got so, any listeners from Galena, Illinois, you know, write us in. Yeah, at yeah. Feedback at Tankright. Any, any relatives of uh, Ulysses? Uh, let us know what your family tree says. <laughs> uh, there must be someone out there. But that just gets down to fact checking. We're we're not going to be satisfied till we get the truth on this. Yeah, one. Uh, we got to know what the S stands for. We're just not going to yeah. get any sleep. Uh huh. You know, we got a ton of email from our time travel episode, and and at least one dissenting vote on time crimes. So <laughs> be be wary. It might not be your favorite film. We did screw the pooch on Flight of the Navigator, though. We I, did. I freely we did. admit that. And uh, one of the one of the ones I wanted to mention is an email we got from Tom in Austin, Texas. And uh, yeah, he he was a huge fan of this movie, and uh, he informed us that there may be a, a remake coming soon. And he still loves the movie. Um, and he also mentioned that the voice of the ship uh, was uh, Trimaxion, or Max, was played by Paul Rubens. Or Excellent, Pee Wee Herman. Pee-wee he Herman. was billed as Paul wow. Mall. <laughs> For the film, I do remember that actually. <laughs> but you I know, after after the episode, I decided to rent it and watch it. And yeah, it is a. It's definitely eighties. It's got all these eighties drums and eighties music. It's it's so eighties, but it was a lot of fun. And, and the eight year old Viking princess truly loved it. 
Joey Kramer, really the the boy from that film, just mm-hmm. kind of dropped off the face of the earth. He's yeah. only done a few films total. And uh, there were, there was a website that was up that was, where in the world is Joey Kramer? And it was someone trying to find out what happened oh, no. to him. He's yeah. in rehab. Well, it's not one of those sad stories like the voice of Peter Pan that I was telling in the other podcast, but I think he works in a sports store in British Columbia. <laughs> so, well, that's not terrible. Uh, no, I mean, not what terrible. the hell? Yeah. I wish not I was terrible. working in a sports store in British Columbia. But you know what else is funny about Flight of the Navigator? And this is a time travel film, which is great. You know, he travels yeah. you know, eight years into the future to see what his life would, mm-hmm. what his family would be like with him being disappeared for you know, eight years. I, I saw that movie so long ago, I honestly forgot about that aspect. Howard Hessman plays the scientist that's right. at NASA yeah. who okay. tries to learn everything he can from the boy. It was one of those subtle Disney films where it wasn't all good and evil and high stakes craziness. A lot of people were just trying to do the right thing, but had this spaceship. Like even Howard Hessman's character wasn't truly evil, which I'm sure the remake is going to make. That's got to be the only Disney movie that can say that. that It was (laughs) subtle and and looked at both sides. Well, and it's a Disney (laughs) film. And surprisingly, his mother didn't even die. So his mom was played by uh, Veronica Cartwright. And wow. what's what's funny about that connection is Veronica Cartwright was in Alien, the original 1979 oh, sure film. sure she was. And she was the navigator, Lambert. So she was a navigator for the ship. You know a movie, a Disney movie you never see anymore that, that's come out of the vault? Songs of the South. <laughs> yeah, that's never coming out of the vault. <laughs> I, I defy you to go to a Best Buy, wherever, yes. and look for that. See if you can get it on Blu-ray. There's some really embarrassing moments in the original Peter Pan and in the, like, What Makes a Red Man Red is just... Oh. oh, it's it's tough. And then there's um there's Dumbo has some really bad stereotypical parts in it that you just kind of have to, you know, wade wow. through if you can. Do you, do you guys you know who Kate Smith was? Oh, she's, yeah. she's saying America the Beautiful. That's what she was known as. She was kind of like this you know big singer from the '40s. She did mm-hmm. a a movie where they tried to you know kind of make her into a movie star. And at this one point, she's going to sing to the kids in the hospital. So, you know, she wants to go sing to the to the kids, and, and she finds herself in the colored ward because, you know, of course, everything was segregated then. Mm-hmm. And there's, there's, there's this little uh, uh, black child who is, you know, clearly dying. And uh, she, she starts singing to him, uh, Picking Any Heaven, this song. Which is like, you know, don't be afraid of dying because there, you know, you go to Picking Any Heaven, which has lemonade rivers and pork chop bushes. And oh. yeah. So, so, you know, try to program that right next to America the Beautiful. Oh, man. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Get yeah. these things out there, people. Let's just <laughs> right. look at them all. Yeah. I want to see them all. And, and by God, I will see the day the clown cried before I leave this, this earth. mortal coil. <laughs> yeah. We got to see that. That's our plan, and we're going to stick with it. It'll be like fanboys. We'll have to go <laughs> yeah. into the, We'll have to break into the Lewis estate. Yes, we will We will appear on film we if should. that is the film that someone wants to make <laughs> after Jerry Lewis dies. We volunteer for that role. How, how, how many socks does he need? Well, fresh new brand socks to show us that film. <laughs> yeah. We'll show wow. Drive him with socks. Truckloads yeah. of socks. Another another fun email we got uh, was from Brady, and I don't think he tells us where he is or is from. Uh, but he, after listening to the time travel episode, sent us a link. It's a piece of short fiction from Abyss and Apex. So it's uh, abyssandapex.com, and it's wiki history. And it's a hilarious uh, story about how everybody kills Hitler on their first trip. And it's a time travel forum. Wow. I remember reading this uh, years ago yeah. and, and just laughing at how 
it's basically a forum gone wild on the internet of time travelers and and people trying to fix history from people trying to kill Hitler and that's 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 a brilliant piece of short fiction. Maybe I'll throw it up there in the Twitter feed. But it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. And it always reminds me of the Dan Byrne song, which I tried to get played on here, but I couldn't seem to get a hold of him. God Said No, which is a really great song about oh, yeah. a guy who wants to travel back in time to kill Hitler and about how he'd probably end up failing. And then it's about uh, saving the lead singer of Nirvana, Kurt Cobain. And it's a very sad song. And it's, wow. it's, I, it's one of my favorite Dan Byrne songs of all time about killing Hitler. So if you've got some opinions on Holocaust denial, conspiracy theory, any of these things, and I'm sure you do, let us know at feedback at tankriot.com. Uh, this, by the way, is our series finale. We will be ending the podcast. No, I'm kidding. I'm, I'm totally kidding. <laughs> It's just like all my favorite shows lately. I, you know, I turn them on. It's like, ooh, series finale. What <laughs> <Really>? the fuck? <laughs> you know, I'm getting bitter. Yeah, they always cut the good ones. Yeah, no shit. Yeah. So anyway, uh, check out all our episodes at tankriot.com. And I got one little nugget. It's an update to our Emma Goldman episode. Okay. You know, Madison is kind of the home of the Wisconsin state government, and we have. Uh, I've heard that. Yeah. The uh, Wisconsin Government Accountability Board. Oh, God. They, Seriously? Accountability Board. They hired a firm to uh, design them a new logo. Oh. And uh, <laughs> so they spent, you know, a few thousand bucks on this. And uh, what the firm came up with and what the Accountability Board says we should go with essentially is a logo that looks just like the anarchy symbol. Really? <laughs> Not, and it's accountability? Oh my God! So that's just, accountability anarchy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So anyway, that that's just a life in Wisconsin. Oh Here my we go. God! Scotty Nation <laughs> is going toward the black flag. Did the tourism department come up with a really bad logo recently as well for Wisconsin? About like some guy upside down and. It just looked really horrendous. Oh, I, I didn't yeah. hear that one. Yeah, I'll, I'll, yeah, I'll have to look it up. But did it, did it look like an upside down crucifixion? It just looked. That's... It just looked horrible. Oh. My my favorite Wisconsin slogan is the "You're among friends," which I saw at, at a bar uh, around Madison here, and they had a mock up of it that said, "Wisconsin, you're among drunks." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> probably better said. I yeah. thought that is an awesome shirt, right Scotty there, Scotty Nation. <laughs> But just to tie into another episode here, for the longest time, they have a great logo, but the uh, Wisconsin uh, Department of Transportation essentially uses the logo for the Klingon Empire as their That's as right, their, they kind of do. Yeah. Wow. And if you've ever had to go to their help desk, it is like, it yeah. sounds Klingon like Klingon. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. I would never... Oh. <laughs> I applied for a job there once, and I am so glad I didn't get it because I I think that would have just like taken my soul. <laughs> yeah. Well, from Scotty Nation to the world, this has been Tank Riot, and until next time, here we go. That's a complete conspiracy, you know. All the evil people of the world have banded together: communists, subversives, thieves. It's a total, complete, worldwide conspiracy. Conspiracy. Go! Go! There we are! There it is! There it is!
there's a conspiracy, there's a insidious, enveloping conspiracy. Oh, there will come a warning. Yes, there will. There will come a warning. When these men have taken over your home, they've taken over your daughter, and they'll be sitting right there on your doorstep. Thank you. 